This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Jill's off this Canada Day long weekend. It's Sterling Fox with you on this beautiful Sunday morning. 19 degrees of sunshine already at 9.06. And by the way, the forecast for holiday Monday is pretty much uh, the same as what you see is now is what you're going to get tomorrow. Perhaps a little bit more cloud, but mostly sunny, no rain, and nice warm temperatures ranging from the low 20s near the water to the mid to high 20s inland. Well, uh, Mario Canseco is joining us now. Mr. Canseco is Vice President Public Affairs with the polling outfit Insights West. Mario, good morning. Good morning, Sterling. It's uh, good to have you with us. Happy Canada Day weekend to you. How is it going for you so far? Great so far. Wonderful weather. Um, had a lot of fun and was able to spend some time outdoors, so that's always nice. Absolutely. It's a perfect weekend for us and uh, no rain on our party and parade, unlike that uh, event in Ottawa yesterday. <laughs> Mario, you at Insights West are constantly taking the pulse of British Columbians and Canadians on all sorts of matters. I know, for example, recently you, you talked to uh, a bit of, uh, did a bit of a phone poll on the, the throne speech uh, and, and uh, the, the, the fact that uh, the flip flop done by the Clark Liberals, basically uh, borrowing everything in the NDP Green Playbook and promising to do exactly that. It didn't impress a lot of people, did it? Well, we thought it was a good opportunity to see how the the, uh, the, the voters reacted to, to what they heard on the speech. And what was interesting about this is we wanted to do an extra layer of analysis. We didn't just want to ask people, do you think this should be done? Because that's we expected. Uh, the level of support for most of these ideas was uh, very high. You, know, you have more than three in, five, in, in four residents saying that they want to implement new regulations on the activities of lobbyists, uh, to name a minister of state for mental health addictions and recovery, mm-hmm. or to ban union and corporate political donations. Now, when you ask people, do you think the BC Liberal government is actually going to follow through with this? Uh, they do get a high ranking uh, on, when it comes to the Minister of State for Mental Health. Right. But there's only one-third who believe that they're going to deal with lobbyists, and even fewer who believe that they're going to ban union and corporate political donations. So it comes down to credibility. Uh, you can read something on the speech from the throne, but very few people expected them to actually implement some of these policies. Uh, so despite the solemn face as the promises were made, not a whole lot of people bought into them. No, uh, same, similar scenario for the $1 billion investment in childcare spaces. Only 29% uh, believed that that was going to happen right. under the BC Liberals. Uh, similar with the results on holding a referendum on electoral reform. And this is an interesting case because we're just coming out of uh, the situation that we had at the federal level with uh, uh, some of those um, MPs essentially touring Canada, talking to people about electoral reform, and, and in the end, nothing got done. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who are already dissatisfied, and I would dare say cynical about this. So it's no surprise that it came down as one of the lowest ranked ideas. But the, the notion that uh, the liberals would be interested even slightly in any type of electoral reform? Very low. Only 29% believe that they were actually going to follow through with holding a referendum on electoral reform, and it's an issue that they campaigned against consistently uh, in in April and early May. So yeah. it, it was one of those changes that was quite uh, surprising for those of us who have been following politics. Well, it was interesting because some of the columnists were talking about this now. This is old history now because, of course, the throne speech uh, was defeated. The, the the liberals lost the confidence of the House. Uh, there is a new premier designate, and that we should start hearing about cabinet appointments and so on in the next few days. But, uh, you know, back to the the the, uh, the reaction, uh, according to a lot of the columnists, was uh, relief 
and or horror among liberal supporters when they when they did a complete about face on that throne speech that contained an awful lot of things that they had campaigned aggressively against mario well i think what what is going to be interesting for the liberals looking forward is um, looking into the people who didn't speak in the House and who didn't defend some of these policies uh, as they were essentially fighting for their political life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, it's very difficult uh, for somebody who was premier to sit in the opposition benches and come back. It's only happened once in B.C. Uh, and it's happened a few times in other places. But at this, in, in this day and age, it, it might be a little bit more complex, even though we need to look into it also as, as a situation that is based in mathematics. Um, there could be a scenario where the liberals could find themselves in a position to defeat the NDP Green government, even when it is uh, formed, mm-hmm. um, and that could force a new election. But it's it's really difficult right now to try to assume that they are in the in the best uh, scenario uh, to to do it. I mean, when we ask people who they would vote for. The liberals are down uh, from their total in the last election. The NDP is holding steady. Uh, there's more people who say they would vote for the Greens. I think Andrew Weaver has connected very well. Mm. But nothing would suggest that if the election had happened in August, the results would have been remarkably different from what we have right now. Interesting, Mario. There's a column in this morning's Vancouver province written by Mike Smith, who spends a lot of time, of course, on the airwaves of CKNW. And Mike's basically, it's a, it's a wonderful column and uh, well-written as usual. But basically, the, the theme is the knives are out for Chris. Clark, it's shark-infested waters, and it's not going to end well for her. Did you, in your polling, get any sense of uh, of an appetite for the continuing leadership of Clark uh, as opposition leader, uh, or or of as the Liberal Party leader? Period. Well, we certainly see a a a, a, a drop in in her numbers. Uh, we when we did our final poll of the election. Her rating was 38%. It's now down to 32%. And okay. when we ask people whether she should continue to be the liberal uh, leader, um, there's uh, almost two-thirds who say that she shouldn't. But what is interesting about this number is the NDP voter, the Green voter, uh, is definitely going to say yes. We don't want her to be the leader. But what's quite shocking here is there's more than half of liberal voters from the last election, which only happened a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. who are saying essentially um, we don't think that she should be the leader continuing. So... Uh, it might be easier for them to try to figure out a way to do some sort of convention, do it fairly quickly. In a way, this has been one of the recipes for success of, of the liberals. At a time when Gordon Campbell's rating was just 9%, he decides to quit. They find Christy Clark and they come back and win the, the, the election that happened after that. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ways in which the liberals do better when they get rid of their leaders and find somebody else who is somehow seen as more palatable and who can lead them to victory. So uh, in terms, uh, and of course, there's no uh, successor in the wings. There are certainly a lot of of, of, of uh, wannabes, but uh, no one has uh, in- indicated any any willingness to come forward. I guess it's it's all it's all part of the timing process, and it's not maybe not quite that time yet. But in terms of of the new government, uh, and again, I'm maybe getting ahead of myself in your ability to give me polling numbers because technically they're not the new government yet. Right. Even Mario, we have a premier designate now as of just a couple of days ago, but uh, uh, I predicted in an editorial last hour that the typical lifespan for any minority parliament in the British system anywhere in the world is 18 to 24 months. I don't. I gave this particular incoming group 12 to 16 months. Has your polling indicated anything about sentiments of British Columbians with respect to um, optimism or pessimism regarding the new group coming in and taking over? 
Well, what we see is uh, there were more uh, BC residents who believed that they should be given a chance. Yeah, of course, and, you know, you of see course. Fifty-five percent saying, uh, "Let's just let them do it." Uh, only twenty-five percent who said, "I want the Liberal government to continue," and only fifteen percent who said, uh, "Let's just have a new election and, and try to get a different result." Right. Uh, what's interesting to me is there's a bit of a of a climb in the approval ratings for both uh, of the. Uh, uh, main leaders that are going to be dealing with this government. Andrew Weaver is at 50%, which is very good. Mm -hmm. uh, John Horgan is at 49%, which is also very good. They're doing better than they did in, at the close of the campaign. So in that sense, there's a little bit of that optimism in, in essentially trying to figure out how things will go. Now, uh, I think that they need a couple of big wins in the early stages. Uh, it could be the ban on corporate and union political donations, the Minister of State for Health. I mean, there's, there's so many things that they could be doing to essentially try to show that they can work together and get things done. And I think that'll go a long way in essentially appeasing some of those BC Liberal voters who are dissatisfied because they couldn't form government again, but also um, essentially trying to figure out a way to make sure that the BC residents know that, that things are okay, that there's not going to be any wild shifts or that the job numbers are, are, are going to be down from what they were last year. Um, and that takes a little bit of time. Um, if the referendum on electoral reform takes place uh, at the same time as the municipal elections in the fall of next year, I think that would be a good opportunity to try to figure out what happens. If they lose it, if essentially you have a lot of people in BC saying we don't want to change the system that we have, uh, that might be a good moment for the BC Liberals to think about toppling the government. Yeah, interesting, because I think you're right. I think the majority of British Columbians are at least willing to let the new group have a bash at it. I mean, I don't think – what was the number of people being in favor of another election right away? Was it 15 percent or even that? 15 percent, so yeah. less than one in six. And yeah, exactly. I, I that definitely told it, – it, it really tells a story as far as um, the fact that it's a very divided election, and, and I think that is definitely part of the reason why we're here. Um, but ultimately, I think, well, they had a shot, they couldn't do it. Let's see if these guys can do it. And who knows, maybe in a couple of months, people might say, okay, they tried, they failed. We might as well do another election. Mm -hmm. Interesting stuff. Mario, I, I need to take a quick break, and then I want to change gears on you, because, of course, it is summer of uh, Canada 150, and a lot of us are doing the staycation thing, and you've been polling not just British Columbians, but Canadians across the country as to what our favorite Canadian destinations are for this big 150 summer. Mario Canseco is uh, Vice President Public Affairs with Insights West, and we'll be back with lots more right after this. It's Sterling Fox for Jill Bennett on this lovely Sunday morning, smack dab in the middle of the Canada Day long weekend, joined on the line by the Vice President of Public Affairs with polling company Insights West, Mario Canseco is with us. And Mario, uh, on this uh, 150th birthday year, a lot of Canadians have decided, well, we're going to just do something about or in Canada that we've never done before, and let's do the staycation route. So uh, let's talk about where Canadians, according to your polling, results. What are we focusing on? What are the most popular spots that Canadians are heading to this summer? Well, what was interesting about this survey is uh, there's a little bit of a gap between the places that you find appealing and the places where you would go. Okay. And what was fun about this is, you know, we have as the number three, uh, as the, as the top three destinations as far as appeal, uh, Banff and Lake Louise, uh, Vancouver and Victoria. So there's definitely a West Coast theme going on. Okay. But because of the 150, uh, there's a lot of people who said, well, actually, what I'm planning to do in the next six months is to go to Toronto, to go to Montreal, to go to Ottawa, 
and to go to Calgary. So it's quite interesting to see that uh, there's uh, a lot of people out there who really want to come to the West Coast, but they factor in the plane, they factor in the taxes, and they think about it twice. So interesting. So in terms of the overall top choice, as I understand it, the way your your, your math finally worked out, Toronto ended up being uh, the top uh, number one choice of destination. Number one choice, uh, Ottawa has a very close second. Well, that was certainly the place to be yesterday now, wasn't it, Ottawa? Absolutely. This is the time to go. Uh, I was lucky enough to go to Ottawa uh, a few weeks ago for a uh, conference, and it, it was just a stellar place to, to visit because of the 150. Sure. Uh, but it's interesting to see Calgary climbing the charts, and, and, and one of the reasons for this is uh, that they don't have any a, a provincial sales tax. Right. And there's essentially people who are saying, well, if I'm going to pay a little bit more, I might as well go to a place where I'm not going to have to pay extra taxes. And this is one of the reasons for, for Calgary to do so well, when we asked this question 10 years ago, very few people stayed overnight. You sort of flew to Calgary and then took uh, whatever you had to take to go to Banff and to Lake Louise. Sure. Now we see that there's more people who are spending time in Calgary, which is something that we didn't see 10 years ago. What's, uh, what are the popular spots in the eastern half of the country, Mario? Uh, I, I remember, uh, I'm remembering another big birthday, the 100th, and Charlottetown, for some reason, in 1967, the, the, the birthplace of Confederation, was a hugely popular destination. I went there myself. Uh, what's What's popular in the Maritime Provinces this summer? Well, uh, Charlottetown is number four on the list after uh, Banff, Victoria, and Vancouver. Okay. Um, Montreal does well. Quebec City does well. Uh, Also, St. John's, Newfoundland, and Halifax. The places that are really ranked down the list is uh, are located in, uh, in Saskatchewan. For instance, Saskatoon, Regina haven't really been seen as uh, essentially uh, areas that you want to visit. And I think it has a lot to do with the way uh, some of the tourism boards are spending their their money. Calgary has spent a lot of money Mm -hmm. to get people to visit. We've seen those ads on the national television. Yes, we have. That definitely goes a long way in getting people to know who you are and, and what you have to offer. I want to talk very briefly. We've only got a couple of minutes left, but you know, we've been talking about Canadian destinations in this summer of our big 150 party, but a lot of, and a lot of Canadians have deliberately decided to stay home. That's thus the staycation stuff. But, uh, uh still, of course, it's uh, the next door neighbor isn't that far away. Um, and we've had a little bit of a comeback in the, in the last week or so on the Canadian dollar. Is it the loony that's causing a lot of Canadians to make this stay at home summer or, uh, is that a contributing factor, at least, Mario? It is a factor because, you know, going back to, to where the situation was two years ago when we first started asking this, uh, the loony wasn't doing as well as it, is, as it is now. And there were more people who were saying, I don't want to go to the United States. My dollar is not going to go as far. Right. Uh, what I see now, and this is quite interesting from the standpoint of, of, of B.C., is people who are saying they don't want to go to the United States because of the political situation. Right. Whether it is, I don't want to spend money there while Donald Trump is in the White House or I'm worried about the way I'll be treated, I'm, I'm worried about you know, having to go through all those sec- uh, sec- security checks. So you know, part of the problem is uh, that there's roughly a third of uh, Canadians who, who don't want to go to the States because of this, but the number is actually higher here in BC, 35%. And this was not surprising for us, because we started asking about Donald Trump's uh, getting into the, the, the White House in the middle of 2015, and BC consistently showed a higher level of rejection to that notion. So it's not a surprise to see us now say, 
I'm not going there on, until he decides to vacate the White House. Uh, interesting. So the, the bottom line and the take-home from this conversation is Western Canada holds the three top most popular destinations for the 150 year, Banff Lake Louise, followed closely by Vancouver and then Victoria. We're still in the top three. I love it. Mario, thanks for this. Appreciate your time on a holiday weekend. Always a real treat to have you on the radio. It's my pleasure, Thanks so much. Oh, the very best to you. There's Mario Canseco from Insights West, the uh, public's, the polling company. And you can find the results of, of both of these surveys that we just talked about on their website, insightswest.com. It's exactly 926. The news is coming right up on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.